0: Hey everyone, Tony and John here bringing you King's Talk presented by Cap City Crown. Uh, you know, we're in the middle of Summer League. Keegan Murray's trying to defend the crown for the reigning champion Sacramento Kings. And, you know, trying to follow in the footsteps of Davion Mitchell. Uh, I mean, he looks like a a front runner for that Summer League MVP candidacy, I guess. It's, uh... I mean, it's all the basketball there is right now, so it's definitely some <laughs> <laughs> definitely some front-page stuff. But, I mean, jokes aside, Murray has looked super good um, in the five games I've seen him watch. I'm not going to lie. We're uh, recording this during the first half of the Thunder Kings game um, tonight, yesterday, I guess, whatever time you're listening to this. <laughs> so we will not have any analysis on that and we're just gonna pretend like that game doesn't exist at the moment or where you can just assume he scored 20 points like he's been doing but um yeah murray has looked so good and uh, i don't know he's leaving me speechless i guess what do you have to say about murray's play john
1: yeah i mean i think you know all the all the talk about uh wins in the summer league and all that stuff and uh you know it's all tongue in cheek but uh similarly to all the talk you know last summer you know summer league champions uh at the core of the enthusiasm was how well uh Davion Mitchell played How, how how well he played on the defensive end mostly and also just how it seemed like all the hard work that he was really kind of showing off as maybe his best asset as a prospect, uh, how it really played out as a product on the floor. And I think you're seeing pretty much the same thing from Keegan Murray in that regard. Um, Obviously, it's probably more on the offensive end that you would be giving him attention. But of course, Keegan Murray has played pretty solid defense. Um, You know, I think the Orlando game was kind of interesting to watch against him and Paolo Banquero. But there were a few times where he, you know, he played pretty good D on uh, the number one overall draft pick, but um, he's he's just he's similar to Mitchell. It just seems like, I mean, I think this is maybe maybe comparing him to Mitchell might not be doing Murray justice because one of the things that Murray's doing is he's not only looking like a pro, but he just really looks like he's going to lock into that starting lineup and really fill a role. And obviously, Mitchell like kind of had an up and down rookie year, and um, you know. Uh, found his way really in the end, and really looks like he has his role, you know, in mind and his uh, communicative role growing both on the floor and in the locker room. Um, but I think with Murray, you're just you're seeing a lot of instant impact. Just a guy that um, all the things that he does is just going to fit in perfectly with 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 Sabonis and Fox and some of these other shooters that they've gotten, and all the things that you can complain about. First of all, you've seen moderate improvements in in just five games you know six if you're counting that okc game that you know we're time traveling back to uh before that game uh was played or whatever um you know what he's what he's been able to do is is kind of improve things like i think for instance he's one of the probably the biggest things you could give him flack for in the summer league so far is like his ball handling and in turn the turnovers that can arise from that, whether getting the ball stolen or being forced to, uh, get into a bad situation, a bad passing situation. Um, but he only had two turnovers following it up. I think after, uh, four turnovers against Orlando, um, where he, you know, he usually does a thing, obviously where most of his turnovers are in the first half, but he had four turnovers against Orlando comes back against Indiana has only two turnovers. The two turnovers were just two traveling violations. So he wasn't doing any of those mistakes uh, that he was doing earlier. I think one of the big things that you saw in Indiana, or not in Indiana, but in Vegas against Indiana, uh, is you saw him getting doubled. Some of those same situations that led to turnovers a game or two or three ago, he'd get doubled and he seemed far more poised and confident. Now that might be more communication with his teammates, more chemistry, but at the end of the day, it just looks like he's getting more and more comfortable, more and more confident. And I think he's always had that, but he's just really latching onto it. And I think that's been probably the most impressive thing.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm mostly impressed with his shooting. Um, like you said, it seems like he's going to be a starter going into the season. I mean, just the way he's been shooting in summer league, that's what the Kings need. They need that stretch big, that stretch forward of pair next to Sabonis and Fox. He, I mean, he's hitting his threes in it, what like a forty percent clip at the moment. Over forty percent is exactly mm-hmm. what the Kings need. His defense has been great. Um, you know that three and D guy that you know so coveted in, in the NBA so far, or you know coveted in the NBA right now. Um, he you know he seems like he's fitting that mold pretty well. Um, and, yeah, I mean, even, like, his sh- like that Magic game, I know that Magic game was crazy, but that, you know, he kind of took over at the end a little. He, or he took over at the end of that Pacers game, but hitting that shot against the Magic with, like, a second left after they steal the ball, he, you know, he's showing that he's, you know, he's not afraid to, I don't know, show up when the big times, <laughs> show up, you know, when it matters most. Yeah, was that was
1: clean say. as hell. Yeah. That was just, that was killer. Just got it. He's just like, he got the ball, and he dribbled back, and he just nailed it, just with his beautiful stroke, the way he keeps the ball up high, it's pretty quick release. It was beautiful.
0: Yeah. It was great to see, you know, he's showing that, you know, he's not afraid of the big moment and stuff like that. Um, And a report came out or a quote, I guess, from Mark Spears saying that, you know, some scouts even had him as high as the number two, you know, player in, out of this draft class. So, I mean, watching him in summer league so far, it's like, okay, like, you're kind of seeing maybe why scouts had him so high. I mean, it wasn't like he was a bad player in college. He led the, he led the nation in scoring and everything. And he's coming out here in summer league and, you know, showing why that maybe, you know, we, we definitely kind of, we had a debate whether Keegan Murray really was the best player available when uh, Monte said that he was, when he drafted him. Uh, And, you know, it's yeah, so you know early it's funny that and... you're
1: bringing that up. Yeah. Because uh-huh. I did want to ask a question cuz I I've been interested cuz it's been been about 3 weeks since the draft now. And after 5 summer league games, 5 or 6 whatever you want to count it. Um what do you think about cuz I know that after like on draft night and after draft night it was kind of like yeah, cuz leading up to the draft I know that both of us kind of agreed that just the value of having this 4th pick all the options, all the things that you can do with it. It just felt like, man, the Kings, I don't know. I think it seemed like every Kings fan and everybody that's watching the Kings was like, man, it would be pretty dang cool if they could trade back a spot or two and still get Keegan Murray. Would that have happened? I'm not sure. Um, Maybe. I mean, if they had traded back, would they have gotten Keegan Murray? I think they would have only been able to trade back one spot. But um you know, like, obviously, none of that happened. And at the end of the day, when you start, you kind of let like let reality sink in. Maybe not reality sink in. I don't know. I don't want to put words in your mouth. But just a week later, like, what is it? what does it feel like? Because, you know, it was a little different. I feel like it feels way different than draft night and the immediate effects of draft night.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, <laughs> it feels a lot different because it seemed like everyone had Ivy at that fourth overall pick it just he was the fourth best player I mean that's what most people are saying right and so you wanted Monte to stick to his plan that had been working and choosing the best player available when the consent when the consensus is Jaden Ivey and you don't do Jaden Ivey it's kind of like okay it's a little you know seems like a letdown or maybe they could trade back they just had so I think like going into the draft it was like all right Best case scenario, they trade back, get a couple players and draft and stay in like the top 10 and get Keegan Murray's, you know, or someone like him. Second best option was, you know, draft Jaden Ivey. Then it's like, all right, like then you just take Keegan Murray. Like that's like the worst case scenario. And so you kind of come out choosing Keegan Murray at that fourth pick. It's like, oh, like that was the worst case scenario tonight. Um, It seems like we're drafting for fit now instead of. Uh, best player available like what's been working the last couple of years so you know I, I was I was a little let down I thought it was the wrong move initially didn't mean I wasn't excited for Keegan Murray I mean he was he was gonna be the fourth or fifth pick at that point um and so you know it, it, it still wasn't a bad move it just seemed kind of like a letdown for all the hype that was going into this fourth pick and everything and mm-hmm. you kind of just Draft the guy that maybe you shouldn't have drafted at that time, but right. I, you know, the Kings fans always they get they change their minds so quick once you you see the guy play even if it's not like great or anything. And luckily, Keegan Murray had a fantastic start to summer league in his first game and has been crazy since then. It's, you know, he's been amazing in summer league so far. So it's hard not to love the guy. But uh, I mean, I'm. <laughs> you know i'm happy with it now and i feel like an idiot looking back but you know everything's well, 2020
1: just maybe maybe it's cuz we're pals Hindsight. but you know don't feel like don't feel like an idiot well maybe feel like an idiot for that but don't feel like an idiot you know cuz we're not gonna know at the end of the day you know who's the better who has the better career until you know 4 5 6 maybe at the end of their careers who knows and it may not matter at that point you know but i think two of the things that I really neglected from my perspective was that one fit means something completely different when you're talking about the work ethic and character of someone like, um, Keegan Murray. Um, because fit at that point with that work ethic, you combine those two things and then instantly you can synthesize the best player available in a way, you know what I mean? Like you're just setting up for the best of both worlds. Um, I'm not saying Marvin Bagley is a low character guy, but he's not the most, I wouldn't say he's the most mature player. I don't think people are going to get an argument with me about that. And I think he wants to be good. And I think he has a lot of talent and I think he can maybe do something in Detroit, but things weren't pretty in Sacramento. And, you know, I, I just don't think Keegan Murray presents a canvas on which something like that is painted. It's not such a, such a marred image. I think it's, cleaner i mean i don't know like you said it is so early and everything like that but it's just like i feel like you're talking about fit in a way that that it's more than just fit it's like how can you grow here what can how can both of these places get better and i don't know i just feel like it's just too perfect you know what i mean it's just like Mm. it's not just like oh he'll play well against he'll play well alongside darren fox you know that'd be perfect that's such a that's such a two-dimensional way of thinking and I think that one of the things that I neglected is that there's so much more to that. There's other factors involved there that maybe that binary of best player available or best fit is just kind of silly because it's different. I mean, every front office probably thinks about it differently. Um, and that Spears quote that you talked about, I think attests to that. Um, and at, you know, at the end of the day, it's like you talk about, murray i mean he's one of the best uh was instantly one of the best players in the country and you know uh has is probably regarded as the probably the second most nba ready player in the draft behind bancaro i mean you could probably put them neck and neck so it's just like at the end of the day maybe that feels a little silly but i guess the second thing that i was neglecting before i forget um is that we also have to keep in mind what um mcnair is trying to do here and it maybe would have been more obvious had he made the trades for Herter and Monk um, before the draft maybe or something like that. But it just feels like that the Kings are really creating a team here that feels like it's the modern NBA. It's super in tune with that. Shooting, length, versatility. And then all the defense that can come with that. You know, And talk about fit and growth. I mean, like Keegan Murray's perfect for that. So it's just, I mean, I feel like like of course, like you said, hindsight's twenty twenty, so it's easy to feel a little silly, but it's like, man, those that just seems like I don't know, it just seems like that's uh that's just that it makes so much more sense. And I, I feel like we're seeing what they foresaw. And I feel like you gotta give credit where credit is due. Like there were people out there that were just saying, take Murray number four. He is the best player available that were saying the exact things that the King's front office ended up saying. Um so you know, I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, I was, I guess maybe a little less attached to what they should have done obviously, but, um, you know, looking back at it, it just really feels like it's the smart move. And I know that that's been a lot of the commentary around the league too. Nobody's really talking about Murray and Ivy right now. I mean, I think Ivy got hurt and, you know, Murray's lighting it up in summer league for the most part. And, uh, I just feel like that narrative won't pop up again for a while because I just don't think that that's, it doesn't have the sustainability factor to it. I just think people are going to forget about that pretty quick, especially if the Kings do well this year, but that's got to happen first.
0: Yeah. I mean, best player available. It's so subjective, you know? And so, yeah, I agree that, I mean, there's so many factors to, you know, (laughs) to make that best player available in the front office's eyes. Um, and, yeah, like you said, it's probably different between every front office. And, yeah, we were probably ignoring the fit. I, I was looking more in, like, who has the best chance to become a star and, like, mm-hmm. how good of a star is that person going to be. And it seemed like Ivy was that guy, you know, a guy who can get to the basket seemingly on command. And, you know, he, he just seems like an a, a electric player. So,
1: but, yeah. And no doubt, I mean, he's the athleticism on that guy is just undeniable. It's you, you yeah. You can't help but exactly. to think about exactly. just it is taking that for that reason.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh... Mm-hmm. So,
1: but kind of like when then, of course, saying... I, mean, I mean, there's like there's mm-hmm. a... sure. <sighs> you blipped out there for a sec. I don't know if I don't know if the audio caught that because I think you were like silent there for a second. Oh, go I, ahead I think and just you say what you were saying too. again. <laughs> Yeah, just go uh, ahead and say what you were saying again.
0: Um, I was gonna say, um, that going what you were talking about with giving credit where credits due to the people who said to take Keegan Murray at number four. I saw a large or a, a person who was really on board and saying Murray at number four has to be the pick was Matt George and Matt George. You know, he's a bigger he's a bigger Kings media guy, but um. He was also a big Marvin Bagley guy and really stood next to Bagley. He wanted the Kings to draft Bagley. He supported him even when Bagley was at his worst. Um, And you're not saying like, you know, just because he liked Marvin Bagley is wrong about Keegan Murray, but it's so hard drafting, I think, probably for the next several years. I mean, just, just how bad the Kings have been drafting for a long time, especially with this playoff drought. But that Marvin Bagley thing, it's always going to hang over, not always, but, you know, for the next few years, it's going to hang over the heads or, you know, the front office's heads during draft night, or maybe not even the front office's, I hope not, but at least Kings fans' heads. Um, Hoping that you, you don't create another, you know, you don't draft another bust like that over, you know, one spot before Luka Doncic, and that was definitely the fear going into this draft. It's like, okay, like, Jaden Ivey, like, you can't mess up on this one, right? Like, this is the guy who has the star potential. The other guy looks like, you know, he's a good player, but he's more for fit. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: You know, that was why we drafted Bagley. He, we had a point guard and De'Aaron Fox and a shooting guard in Buddy Heald. Um, and I, you know, I think Marvin Bagley could have been a good player, but, he, you know, injuries set him aside. But anyways, um yeah. I think that was kind of the the mindset going into this draft as well was you just, you can't make that mistake again. And it just seemed everyone was so high on Ivy. It was just, it's hard to look past it, but I mean, my Twitter handle says it the best. I mean, in, in McNair, we trust, and he got Murray and, you know, even if I, I was doubting what he was saying about, you know, Murray being the best player available, they felt like they got the best player available even though I was doubting that for a second, you know, I, I kind of like, okay, like, you know what McNair, it's his team. He hasn't proved, you know, he hasn't proved me wrong yet. So, uh, or I don't know if that's the right <laughs> saying, but <laughs> he, uh,
1: I think though yeah, I think it's just a good point that's just like maybe McNair shouldn't just be trunching up trusting a bunch of randos on the internet, you know? So maybe yeah. it's good that he's sticking to his own guns. Exactly.
0: <laughs> he hasn't proved us wrong. I meant, but, um, but, it
1: it would, I find it interesting that you mentioned the Matt George thing because yeah, that's who I was thinking of really. Um, and I would be interested to know what he would say about, it'd be interesting to know if he would feel the same thing about just like the difference between Bagley and Murray. It'd be interested to know what he'd have to say about the fact that he essentially vouched for two guys and he's, you know, he went zero for one, you know, we'll see what he does with the second one. It looks pretty good, but you know, you, like you said, I mean, one of the biggest things with Bagley was injuries. that can happen to anybody but um you know it'd be interesting to know what he's he would say i mean i just again it just feels like maybe that's almost a worthless conversation too because it's almost just like comparing apples to oranges i think i pointed this out a couple weeks ago um but it's like picking number two like is way different than picking number four you know (laughs) i i just feel like I, i just feel like the weight is way off on number four like you're in a different, you're completely different level in the draft at number four. So it's just like, I feel like you're comparing two completely different situations. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I mean, definitely. It's very different.
1: But But I mean, you know, yeah, you know, at the end of the day, just from what we've been able to see, it just feels like, okay, that was, that was a good move to draft Murray and um i don't remember what podcast it was but i think a podcast episode came out today so wednesday i mean uh they were taught they spent a whole chunk of the podcast talking about why that was the right decision to take to take murray so you know it's also kind of funny how it's just like is they're trying to kind of conjure up a narrative a drama narrative to talk about and then when it's not there they quickly abandon it and get really logical
0: Yeah, Um, right.
1: That's not any one person. That's just generally the the public discourse and sports and really in everything. But, you know, I don't know. It's funny. And at the end of the day, like we said in the aftermath of the draft, you're not really going to be able to know whether the Kings made the right decision until a couple of years. And if both players pan out to get off to, you know, good careers, that could take to the end of their career or midway through. So it could take a while. So again, it's interesting to think about, but you know, won't be put to rest anytime soon. You're but, telling me you know,
0: if the Kings don't win the summer league championship again, it won't be worth it. Just, you know, even if he just becomes a bust back to back. So, it's it's, you know, it's all we can hang our hats on these days.
1: You just, you really, how many times does any person or entity get to immortalize themselves? They, you know, you got, have rings this year. You know that? <laughs> they do? Yeah.
0: They have summer league rings this year.
1: Do they win money or anything, or is it just the ring? Maybe <laughs> it maybe a, a T shirt. I don't know.
0: That's a good question. I doubt I they up. I doubt they win money. I don't know. I mean we already have the most summer league championships ever. With two. Um let's make it three back-to-back oh, man. on the on the back back-to-back on the back of keegan murray
1: but... seriously they're gonna have to name the championship trophy after one of the who's consistently <laughs> has bobby jackson consistently been on that sideline <laughs> is he on the sideline this year i
0: don't even yeah. know yeah is he yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah
1: he's out there they got all sorts of coaches out no
0: there. you know what no no you call it you call it the Beaver ran award <laughs> the Rana Deva trophy—that's what you call it.
1: Yes. Okay, I could see it.
0: He's been over all three or two. Everyone wants, every, everybody, gonna everybody, wants
1: the, everybody wants to hoist up the Rana dve just like the Lombardi. You know? <laughs> yeah, the Rana yes. yeah Yeah. Um, but that wouldn't be yeah. so bad.
0: No. I mean,
1: but you have to be careful because when you're talking about mounting things on a, something, you're putting a gold figure on something. He's probably going to suggest that you do a figure of him, so maybe don't tell him about it until after you've already designed it. You know, he's gonna NBA.
0: he's gonna erect a statue of himself outside of the golden one. Is you know, isn't
1: the isn't the street that it's on named after David Stern? <laughs> yeah, it is. He's gonna change that. He's gonna be like nobody cares about him. Change, we're on a D-Vay's way, <laughs> <Rona D-Ve's> way. <laughs> <It'll> be, <laughs> an that's right as soon as they make the playoffs one day you know sooner or later we'll see that's Dude. gonna happen I don't know I'm feeling I, it
0: talk I mean talking about playoffs um the kings were rated I don't know how they came up with this but online betting guide rated the Kings as the fifth happiest hand fifth happiest fan base in the nba (laughs) i mean isn't that crazy we're on a 16 year playoff drought we're the fifth happiest imagine imagine like no doubt we'd be number one if even if we made the play-in at this point but like imagine the actual um i saw it on hoops central i believe or maybe legion (laughs) hoops by (laughs) But but it was. By... Who are the t-
1: who are, wait? Who are the top? Who are the four above them, and who are like a couple behind them? I I like, guess San Antonio <sighs> uh, ahead of them.
0: <laughs> I I could tell you who's above them. Um, it was the Grizzlies, the uh-huh. Bulls, the what? Heat, and um, and the Warriors. They were the they were the in that order. Yeah, I guess the... the
1: Warriors would have been the first. Yeah, that's so weird.
0: I don't uh, know why, why would I the
1: Warriors not be a first? I mean, like, the Bay Area, like, I haven't seen the Bay Area, just a side note, I mean, I haven't seen the Bay Area sway so much towards a team. Like, it's always been 49ers in San Francisco. And, like, the Giants in the early 2010s kind of, like, made an imprint. And they definitely made an imprint, but they did not come close to taking the cake from the 49ers. And the 49ers haven't won a Super Bowl since 94. And... Just the way the Golden State Warriors are doing things. I mean, damn. They're like kind of taking over. But I don't know. We'll have to see. Yeah. But now, um, Sacramento's fifth fifth happiest. Yeah, yeah and I pulled up the rest.
0: So after the Kings, it goes Nuggets, Cavs, Lakers, Bucks, Clippers. And it's just a study by olbg.com. dot
1: you know what? I just, think they're getting their data from for the Kings. They must be getting it from our, that video of our old friends.
0: Yeah, probably
1: <laughs> John, huh? John, Sean, and Nadim. I think it's. Uh, I think. I think that that's their uh, probably Exhibit A right there. Like, just yeah. look at them. Easy. Look how happy they are after a summer league game. I mean, shoot.
0: I mean, I, I think we're the fifth happiest, personally, for for what we've Wait, been who? through.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, that's, I don't know. I just, I mean, like, I feel like they should do, they should do fifth, they should do the half. I mean, like, honestly, this might be happiest owners too. It might be the same thing, but it's like, wh- who had the most ticket revenue? I feel like that's the sign of the happiest fans. Who's most readily available and willing to go see a game? And I feel that- like, didn't the Kings play in an empty stadium for the second half of the year?
0: yeah but i wouldn't say i don't want to say that's so much for happiness as it is for like like you know what like we want change and you know you're gonna we're not not gonna support this doesn't mean we're not like happy to be i don't know i guess that is happiness
1: (laughs) but that's exactly yeah see no that's exactly what i'm trying to say yeah i'm because i'm not talking about that's why i said like kind of jokingly but i'm serious it's like at the same time fan happiness is like owner happiness like happy happy fans happy life in the in the eyes of an owner not all owners i guess there's a lot of owners that could give a real rat's ass about their fans (laughs) but um i don't know so now i'm contradicting myself but (laughs) yeah i I don't know that's that's weird who was the last who was the bottom five who's the least happiest fans
0: i i don't know honestly i i (laughs) just see that they only posted the top ten. Um, I, I can't find the, re- <laughs> I can't find the rest of the survey. Um, this
1: is ridiculous.
0: <laughs> I j- okay one second. Let me see. It just says, by right, <laughs> like clicking on the website Onlinebettingguide.com dot com. But I don't, I don't know how to find, I don't know how to find this.
1: That's crazy. I
0: don't know how to find hey, the report, listen. unfortunately. Online. <laughs> Betting guide. Oh, my goodness. Dude, I, I know. That, man, I should have brought it up without knowing, huh?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I just I think you're right, though, because it only has the, the top 10 new research shows. What research? That's ridiculous. <laughs> it's
0: like, study <laughs> done. What?
1: And are they doing, like, I don't know, like, like, percentage and of the fan base that's happy i mean like honestly like not trying to diss anybody but it's like didn't the kings lose like a quarter of their fan base in the last 10 years to the warriors i mean like so technically speaking their rate of happiness like you know i don't know and, and it's a it's <laughs> a betting math. website
0: so it's like <laughs> are they rating this off of like them betting
1: i'm telling you they're getting this from like vegas odds makers and the vegas odds makers must have saw that video (laughs) this is stupid this is so dumb what (laughs) Imagine (laughs) putting a bet on that
0: i got for 2027 i got the kings as the uh i'm gonna put the 12th happiest fan base 1200 (laughs) to one odds
1: man that just sounds like a racket right there i don't know who the hell's doing that that's yeah, so it, weird.
0: It is weird. I don't know how, I don't. I, we need to know more on how this study was conducted and what data was being used. But if it was that video, I mean, good job, good job, Sean John and Sean John and Nadim. And,
1: and every time, every time I say Sean John, it's just like sounds like you're saying, I don't know, Sean
0: John John. <laughs> to um to bring this back. On track just a little. You um you said something earlier about you know drafting Keegan Murray and maybe it would have made more sense with you know after the Kings had signed Monk and got Kevin Werder um and how you know the NBA you know in the NBA now it's shooting and, and length and I uh, Darren Fox or Sabonis said that in that um that interview. <laughs> that great interview i should say with katie christensen where she interviewed um oh yeah
1: it, like kicked off the off season, in my opinion it really did yeah. it really kicked off the bash yeah but, it um, did
0: but i think I they asked him. yeah no they asked him. like yeah sorry what you love what
1: i don't know i, I didn't, I, didn't. <laughs> I was gonna say i was gonna say i just love the fact that um the you know i love katie christensen's interview because it just you know got the players to repeat themselves from the press conference the day before, but you know, that's good because you got to be able to get it all out there. You know, it's just doing the people's work.
0: Yeah. But go ahead. Um, so yeah, I think Darren Fox said that shooting in length is a premium in the NBA today. And so the Kings go out, draft Keegan Murray. And then on top of that, they sign Malik monk, pairing up Fox with his old buddy, his old college buddy. Um, or I think their friendship goes back to middle school. It says, and um, no, then you go trade for Kevin Huerter, who I think was a really good pickup. But we, I know we didn't have too much time to talk about it last week on the podcast, just because we had those awesome guests with Sean and Nadim mm-hmm. talking about that video. So uh, maybe we can go a little more into it this time. How, how do you feel so far about? We'll we'll say just those two signings. Maybe not so part of the off season.
1: um i mean it's, it's exactly what you're looking for um i think to start herder's is probably a nice representation of like i think everybody can agree he kind of like touches upon a lot of different things shooting length some nice versatility um and you know i think you could say this a lot of the same things about monk it just hasn't really shown up Uh, so much maybe on the defensive end and in the playmaking end i mean not to say like herder's a great playmaker or anything like that um but uh you know monk has some people have asked some questions about monk and uh i think that it's just fantastic that the the kings are looking at this again it's like that fit and growth thing like they bring in monk in a situation where he's going to play with his old college teammate he's staying in california like there's just all these situations it's just just seems like it's a good fit you know and at the end of the day, you're pairing them up with Mike Brown as coach and with a team, quite frankly, that is going to be better defensively. We'll see how much better, but they're really going to be, and this probably is more of a testament to Mike Brown than anything else, they should be more bought into defense. And I think the way McNair said it um, in the introductory press conference for the two of them, and then I think he even said it on the broadcast of the summer league game against the Pacers, is that Herter and Monk, and this is probably more so pointed at uh, Malik Monk, is, you know, there's defensive potential there. You know, he's got the athleticism. He's got some of the uh, size qualities that you could make him a decent defender uh, in terms of, like, length and whatnot. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, if they're really buying into that, I mean, for Monk, maybe defensive uh results haven't always shown up but you're buying into it like that that that's a really good thing and then at the end of the day it's just like i don't know you're doing exactly what you said you needed to do like i said at the beginning and that's just impressive and you know uh, i i i think that if they could maybe get somehow another player of that kind of similar mold or someone that could fit and check a lot of those boxes out on the wing or something like that that would be really good but you know, we'll get into whether or not that's even possible, but just those two guys, it's just like that. Just instantly, right? Piggybacking off of drafting Murray, it just you just got three great shooters there with three versatile skill sets.
0: I think we lost you.
1: Did you?
0: Yeah. So you, we got three great shooters with what?
1: With three, with three versatile skill sets, you know, and. Yeah, I mean, what more do you need? I mean, you obviously could use a few more things, but it's like as soon as you got those two guys, you are looking at a roster that like looks legitimate. There is not like question marks. It's not like you have Chimezie Metu in the rotation, you know. It's not. I mean, I guess you didn't really have him going into the rotation going into last season, but you know what I mean. Um, like you are not you are not signing or trading for Tristan Thompson and expecting him to be like. A huge difference maker. I don't know. Like it just, it instantly shows. Maybe that's why the fan base is happy. Maybe that's why they're number five. Maybe yeah. it was all recent. You know, there's just things to. Be, we were talking about it last week. It's not summer league wins that gets people excited. It's everything that's going on. So, those two were those two acquisitions were major contributors to that.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I mean, Monte said. He was going to address shooting this off season. It's obvious the Kings needed shooters to surround Fox and Sabonis with. I mean, he got two pretty good shooters. Monk had a he was kind of inconsistent with his three point shooting early on, but he had a great year last year. You pair him up with his buddy and Fox. You know they're trying to build that chemistry, trying to build that locker room presence. Like, what better way than to get your franchise player, his best friend? On the team, and someone who can actually help out this team pretty well, too. So, I, I thought that was awesome. And then you get Kevin. Is, is it Herder or Herder? I mean, do you know for sure? I don't.
1: I always thought it was Herder. I thought I'd heard Herder. And
0: okay. then I think,
1: let's, they usually have the pronunciation on basketball reference.
0: Okay. But you get Kevin, Red Velvet. Um,
1: I saw it, someone trying
0: different. to, Herder. Okay. I, I saw someone try to nickname him Red Rum. How do you feel about that? I kind of like it.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, we'll see. He's got to. He's got to. He's got to kill it a few he, times. Yeah, yeah. you got to live up to that
0: nickname. But um,
1: he's got to like hit a. He's got to hit like a game winner or something, and then he can go ahead and. I, make everybody I like her. Social media.
0: I, I was pretty happy when we got herder. I, I mean, I like Divincenzo. Oh yeah, huge. Yeah, i was like oh, herder. We got herder. I like Divincenzo, but I don't really have herder. I mean, you know, battle. of oh, yeah, the redhead shooting guards. Um. Yeah, we got Herder.
1: Herder's longer, better defender. I mean, not a better defender, I'm mean, a better shooter. Better <laughs> shooter but the one thing that Devin... He's, yeah, but I'm not saying Herter's... Hey, Herder's a... still a good, he's still a he's, really good instinctive he's a good, defender. Yeah. He doesn't Herter's have a, a, good a huge wingspan, but he just he plays passing lanes well and he's just a smart team defender.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, a guy who can shoot the ball super well and a guy who can play the wing like Monk. And so. I mean, right off the, I mean, it was the first two days of free agency it was maybe first three days. Um, you know, you get Monk Thursday, you get Herder Saturday, I believe. So mm-hmm. it was, I know maybe it was Friday. I don't remember. It was the first two days. It was just big signing so far. Maybe um, I mean, not big, good signing in Monk, good trade in Herder, but. I guess what you still needed to need to address is that backup small forward position. I think that's, I mean, technically the last piece of the puzzle. I think for this team, um, unless you you know you make a trade and then another hole opens, but
1: mm-hmm.
0: I don't know, because I see Herder starting. I don't see him, and he is he can play small forward, but I think he's starting at yeah. the shooting guard. Um, I don't know. I think they, you think you still need that small, you know, backup small forward, and there's not a lot left on the market. I mean, I think the best, the best option still that's an unrestricted free agent is Kent Bazemore. And I, I like Kent Bazemore, but I don't know. Is he? I don't know. <laughs> is he really gonna like? Wow, we have a backup small forward. Yeah, he's more of
1: a depth piece. He's just kind of padding. At be really good padding. Yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, well, okay, first of all, this is a good transition. The Kings, I think the big thing that came from that, uh, the uh, introductory press conference for Herder and Monk was that McNair made it pretty clear that they're still looking to make additions. They're still looking to make moves. And I know that, uh, I think Sabonis was interviewed at Summer League by somebody, and he was saying, he was kind of alluding to the same thing. It's like, things can still happen. So there's a general consensus that, or I guess a, a perception that the Kings could potentially do something. But their hands are kind of tied in a lot of ways because they can't trade any first round pick. um, And they can't uh, sign anybody, really. They only have about 1.9 million to work with. Um, they've talked about adding some kind of depth pieces guard or or, uh, in Delvadova and Quinn Cook but um, you're really your hands are tied in terms of financials I mean you couldn't even get Venzikov basically and of course he won MVP maybe wants to go back and play another he seems eager to go back and play another year in Greece Uh, we could talk more about that in a second but You know, at the end of the day, the point is is the Kings can't really do anything unless it's basically a big trade. Because if you're talking about trading and you're talking about trying to get somebody and maybe you could, I I feel like you can maybe point out a few people that maybe you'd want to target. Like if you could just get them on your team, if they could just pop up on the team right now, like you could just get Cam Reddish to be a backup small forward. You're not getting a great shooter, but you're getting a pretty good defender, you know, or maybe someone like O'Shea Brissett from Indiana or somebody like that? I don't know. But then at the end of the day, you rack your brain for how do you try to acquire them through trade? And you just can't. Like, who are you giving up? What What's the money situation look like after? Uh, I, kind of the other thing you pointed out is like, are you just creating another hole? And so, I mean, unless the Kings make a big trade that I can't think of, because it's not going to be Durant, Irving, or Donovan Mitchell. Um, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if you're kind of looking at the Kings for the most part stand pat because I just don't know what else they can do. Um, And of course, it's a huge kind of dark cloud in terms of anything beyond Durant, Irving, and Mitchell. I mean, the the, the Durant thing first and foremost has to get settled before basically anything else happens in the league, before anybody continues to sign or make trades, anything like that. That's the big thing that everybody's uh, waiting on. So it's hard to tell at this point. But if I had to say, it just doesn't look like... I know they want to make more moves, but like, isn't that just the mentality that you're always going to have? You should have that mentality. Whether or not it's possible, you should just have that mentality. So I'm not 100% sure what they could do or even if they really realistically think they can do anything. But it's good that they have that attitude, right?
0: Yeah. I mean... I don't. know. What else are they supposed to say? No, but no, <laughs> no,
1: seriously. Feel.
0: But uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, it's it's gonna be hard to add on to this team. Like, I think there's a report that Kings are in talks with a zillion trades or something. And McNair says he's not done. We're never done. But yeah, I mean, you look at it, and it's you you're tied up with that first round pick. Which is, I'm not like too upset over it, honestly. I mean, it seemed like good restrictions, but it seems like I don't know that I don't know. I mean, maybe we'll give it up next year if we just somehow. I mean, hopefully, and if it's not top ten, I mean, it's top ten protected next year. So, or is it lottery protected? Mm-hmm. I don't remember. But I think um, it's
1: lottery, and then it's like twelve, and then, then top ten.
0: No, yeah, it's pretty protect. It's protected pretty well, but uh. Yeah, it's just just hard to look at this, you know, team and then seeing what you can trade without making another hole. And that's why I think I'm so big on that harris Tybull trade because you bring in two small forwards. I mean, Tybull can play the shooting guard or he can play the small forward. So you bring in two small forwards right there. Um, You lose a small forward, a shooting guard, which doesn't matter because we have a ton of guards. And then mm-hmm. a center in Rashawn Holmes. and But at least, I know you lose Holmes. and That's like, if Holmes is coming off the bench next season, that would be tough to lose because that's a pretty good backup center. It's but, very good. But at least, I mean, at least you have Lynn. I I, I know Lynn's no home. You know, he's not Holmes or anything, but at least Lynn's an NBA player. Like we literally yeah. have no one backing up small forward right now. Nobody. I like, get Lynn's better than nothing, in my opinion. I, I like Lynn. I don't, I mean Lynn's not gonna be a game changer, but he's gonna he's gonna go give you solid minutes. Um mm-hmm. man, I wish we could have kept Damian Jones. I really wish.
1: But would yeah, have been great. You could have gotten him <gasps> on a cheap deal like the Lakers got him in the Lakers. Yes. I don't know what they were doing, but <laughs> that was great. That was that was I don't know what else the Lakers are doing. I mean, damn, that's their best signing, uh, best off-season move. Um,
0: but, yeah. Unless
1: they can get rid of Westbrook, but go on.
0: I, you know, I just – that's why I'm big on that trade. You bring in two two more wing players, and you lose Holmes, you lose Barnes. I like Barnes a lot, but I don't know. if You're not going to re-sign Barnes. I don't think mm-hmm. there's many small forwards that are going to be on the market next year either, so – I mean, you kind of really are setting
1: time. yourself up.
0: Yeah. At least at least you have Harris through um, Sabonis' contract. And I think is going to be a restricted free agent. So I least he kind of sets you up a little better. Yeah. Harris has a big contract. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe Harris isn't as good as he used to be. But, you know, you're bringing in two other pieces. Wings that are on contracts regardless if they're friendly contracts or not they're on contract. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. that's really all I see. I mean, there's probably more out there, of course. And those are just two bigger game guys
1: on that though. I mean, like, I think you're right because like at the end of the day, if that trade goes down, I do think the Kings get better at the end of the day there. I don't Mm -hmm. think that that's what's the problem at all. It's just that money. It's just with 37 million for Tobias Harris the cap hit and it's just like uh ah, that's iffy but of course if they could do it they would be getting better and if they think that that's the best path going forward you would be locking up you know basically that part of uh the depth chart um for longer than you know Barnes is here but um you know it, it's just a question of it's, like is that the right move and again it's like as you always say in McNair we trust so you kind of have to defer it on that one. But I guess the point is, too, is it's like, I don't know. I mean, like, I know that a source told Jason Anderson, uh, a, a source from Tobias Harris's camp, um, said that they're just rumors that nobody should really buy into it at this point. And they were just rumors, especially accompanying around draft time. Um, but it's like, man, sources say stuff all the time. Like, cause there's a source saying that I, Kyrie Irving doesn't actually want to leave brooklyn it's like who the hell's buying that the whole talk in june was kyrie irving wants to leave you know so it's just like i don't know i think you're right that's probably the only one that really is believable in terms of like believable and you it's pretty hard to argue that the kings don't get better and i'm sure there's an argument to be made that the kings get worse i mean i don't think that they get way better by making that trade i should make that clear losing depth at center is a pretty big deal. And what you're saying about Lynn is basically like he's a good wedge to put in there to give Sabonis a rest. But he's not gonna provide anything. He's not gonna provide the he's he'll score the buck he'll score the ball when he gets it dumped off to him. He'll make a decent pass. He'll do things, but he's not gonna like Holmes is adding so many things, especially on that defensive end and just how efficient he is offensively. Um obviously they're completely different players. But I guess point is that Harris Tybull trade, that's moderately, moderate improvement. And I think any improvement is important. And again, it all comes down to what they want to do going forward. But I guess the other thing that would be semi believable would still be some kind of John Collins trade. And again, this is probably drifting further into the dark because at least there's some clarity as to like what the trade would look like with uh, Philadelphia. But doing a trade with Atlanta to get John Collins somehow, I mean, it's, so I guess, a little harder. I mean, I guess you'd probably be losing um, Barnes and um, probably just Terrence Davis. I don't know if you'd have to lose more uh, in terms of cap, but I don't know what you're doing. Like, who's getting what and what? Like, if draft, if a first round draft pick or certain draft capital can't get used, or again, it's like it's hard to picture what these things look like. And I guess we're. I mean, I don't even know if when the dam breaks on Durant um if things will even open up but so I mean, like for that reason, I think you're right the Philadelphia trade makes the only sense, but again, it's not really even clear whether that's gonna happen, and maybe we're wasting our because maybe it looks completely different. maybe Durant, you know that humble man that we all really respect off the court, um you know, maybe he makes his decision sooner than later and it just shifts something um, in the NBA and uh, all of a sudden a bunch of players become available. I mean, or same thing with a Kyrie Irving trade or something like that. I mean, think about uh, when Rudy Gobert got traded, which speaking of that, Donovan Mitchell's also that uh, like one of those other guys that uh, is looking to be moved, it looks like. But when Rudy Gobert got traded, all the players that Utah got in their package they essentially went ahead and said, These guys are all available, like uh, Malik Beasley, and um, I can't remember who else was in that. But, you know, that doesn't really help the Kings in any way because you just be Beasley's a guard. But uh, I'm what I'm trying to point out is that if a big trade happens, you know, for Irving or whatever, or any of these other guys, and a team that doesn't want to compete ends up with all these players, then maybe that opens up you see what I'm saying? Like that might open up another opportunity, another set of opportunities for trades. Yeah. And again, we're not going to know what that looks like.
0: Yeah. Or, or the Kings can piggyback maybe off of one of those bigger trades. Maybe they need to bring in a third team. I don't know. I, I don't know how these situations look, but I mean, I remember who, what was it? I think it was the Harden trade to Brooklyn. Um, and then, like I think the Pacers or maybe the Cavs ended up with—I don't know—I think Jared Allen went to the Cavs, and you know the Pacers mm-hmm. landed Karis Liver, who's now on the Cavs. But you know, like they—they they were kind of just needed to pull these, you know, send off these other guys to bring in Harden and his cap space. So, you know, maybe the Kings can somehow get in on that, and he's like, oh, you know, like yeah, get rid of this guy, like we'll take him so mm-hmm. we'll see i mean you'll probably have to give up someone still I, I, and barnes seems like the the only guy really who's on the block I mean, you're not trading monk or herder you're not trading fox or i mean M- mitchell hey, mitchell's on the you know he's a guy i could see being traded but then mm-hmm. you would need a backup point guard you know that's where it becomes confusing so like you just create right. more holes so mm-hmm. i i mean i'd say the Three people that I can see getting traded in would be Barnes, Holmes, and Mitchell, I guess, in any kind of trade. so
1: Probably uh, Terrence Davis, too. I don't oh, and Davis.
0: Yeah, no. Yeah. 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 I forgot about Davis.
1: I've always... Yeah, I, I mean, he, yeah. He kind of gets... It, the whole season, I mean, he got hurt early on. Yeah. You know, like, just kind of forget about him.
0: Now he's behind Monk and Herter, so... Uh, yeah. yeah, he's definitely expendable, so...
1: Yeah, those four guys, but... Cool. You know, it's interesting that we're bringing up Terrence Davis so late. I mean, like, maybe the Kings do. Maybe, I mean, like, there's no reason to disbelieve that they want to make move moves. But what we're talking about here is the fact that it doesn't really look like they can do anything. Now, of course, with the monumental moves that will happen, most likely, you know, definitely with, it seems definitely, Durant and Kyrie Irving. I don't know. They could be in Brooklyn next season. I doubt both of them are. But, um you know, and then maybe Mitchell gets moved, which again, I think there was a report that said Danny Age doesn't think um, Donovan Mitchell is like worthy of leading a franchise or something to that effect. So it's like, okay, obviously those can make huge differences in the league and it can look completely different and opportunities can arise. But again, it's like, even if that happens, the things that are constricting the Kings now, that's not going to change. And so you might be standing pat and so i guess my question based on what we're talking about with terrence davis is you're kind of saying well he's behind monk and herder well maybe he's right there in the mix in the rotation and maybe they want to do a little bit more kind of like three guard kind of herder playing the small forward more often type things um you know when they were playing with Divincenzo and mitchell and fox out there you know in that game against milwaukee which is the game where fox hurt his hand um Mitchell was guarding Chris Middleton. Now, of course you don't want that to happen all the time, but it's like, I guess my point is, is there's 10 good players on this team and there are things you can do matchups wise. And so maybe the Kings are sitting there a little more confident in that ability. Now I doubt it. I do think that they think they could get better, especially by adding depth behind Barnes or getting, you know, a Harris type old type thing. Um, to beef up that that area of the of the roster, but I mean, you know, don't you think there's a possibility that they have a little more rotational kind of versatility and um, kind of the different groups that they can put out there with maybe three guards or using Herder more as a small forward at times and things like that or anything else you can think of.
0: I mean, yeah, I, I could definitely see that, and like we don't have a backup small forward right now, and I mean, Herder seems like you're starting shooting guard. But it seems like he's going to yeah. play a lot of minutes at the small forward as well, uh, when Barnes is on the bench, and um, you know I think that's where Davis does fit in, is in those situations maybe, you know Monk needs a break or something, and you have to bring in Davis. So, um, I mean I like Terrence Davis too. I think he's I don't think he's Herter or Monk good, but mm-hmm. he's a little inconsistent. Um, but he was he was playing pretty well until that injury um it's kind of a bummer to see him go down he was playing some of the best basketball he had been in Sacramento at that point so um I mean I'm not saying trade Terrence Davis I mean he does definitely have right. depth but um you know if you have to he's definitely a name to watch considering you do have Herter and Monk but I don't know he, he definitely he I mean he's definitely not like He's no he's not a nobody. I'm not saying I forgot about him because he's bad or anything. Like he's a good player. He is, you know, he got forgotten because of that injury, and now we have two new, you know, brand new shooting guards. So kind yeah, of got pushed back a little in the rotation at that shooting guard. But yeah, with Herter's ability to play small forward and the lack of a backup small forward, you no know, Terrence Davis he will come into play if he is on this team next season.
1: Mm-hmm. And I guess another thing that I might be neglecting, and of course, you know, I take what Jordi Fernandez said pretty, you know, it's kind of what the situation is, that Keegan Murray is more of a 4-3 than a 3-4, meaning he's a forward, combo forward, but he's far more oriented for the power forward position rather than out there on the wing. Um, but still, they're still referring to him as a depth piece at the three. So in terms of that rotational question I'm asking, I guess I neglected one of the most important parts, which is Keegan Murray. I mean, you'd be able to fill some things. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to play like Keegan Murray, Sabonis, and Holmes out there on the floor a lot. But it's like there are things you can do, and you, you can get kind of big, and you can get kind of small, and then there's kind of an in-between. So, I mean, like, you know, there's uh, – the Kings should – obviously want to make moves like i've been saying this whole time and like you've been saying as they should but you know they like they have a lot to work with here and i just uh it's kind of interesting to think about you know once you kind of have a moment to think about this roster and um how they actually play together um it's almost more important than anything else but so i guess that kind of remains to be seen but I think lacking a backup small forward, as you rightfully point out, I think that, um, you know, I guess every team kind of has that one little spot they'd like to get better at. And considering what they can do with their depth at um, guard and uh, with Keegan Murray, um, it might be slightly remedied. Of course, not perfect, but it might not be so bad.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's true. Murray, I don't know, I just don't see him as at three, but it mm-hmm. sounds like he can play the three if needed. Herder can play the three if needed. So um, maybe we don't have a specific small forward on that depth chart, but, uh, you know, we do have a couple of guys that can be slotted in at the three if needed. Because um, Barnes, Barnes needs his rest. We see this dude get burnt out way too often halfway through the season and then kind of just be inconsistent after that. So it's it's an important position. I I, I mean you need Barnes at his best if the Kings want to succeed this year. Um so I, I think it's a major need or you can just trade him. <laughs> I guess get to buy <laughs> a person Matisse So take care yeah, of that. That's but, true. we'll see, we'll see. Um we'll see. <laughs>
1: I mean, I guess uh, in terms of, like, Barnes gassing out at the end of the season, um, just to kind of, like, play a little more devil's advocate here. I mean, don't you think that that becomes—that has less of a likelihood of happening? Not, I mean, of course, it's got a far less likelihood of happening um, if you do get that backup small forward you're talking about. But again, this kind of, like, legitimate 10-man rotation, nine or 10-man rotation, whatever you want to call it, um you know like doesn't having better talent on the team also provide an opportunity for rest i mean like i don't know i think you know Mm -hmm. I, i it's just it's interesting to think about and of course like i'm not saying like the kings are great the way they are they're gonna you know go to the western conference finals or some bogusness like that but you know like in terms of like a realistic standpoint like if you had to go at it with this roster as it stands, maybe with a few fillers there at the end. Um, But, uh, you know, like it wouldn't, wouldn't be so bad, you know? And I don't think you're saying like, it's the end of the world. I mean, I think, I think, I know you're recognizing the um, positivity of the move so far. Um, And you're just taking a standpoint that uh, anybody would take, that they want to get better and that there are things to get better at. But, you know, it's it's interesting, right?
0: Yeah. Having I mean, a it good is. team. Yeah, it, it'll definitely it will take the load off of Barnes um you no, know, just having Sabonis and pushing him to the third option instead of the second. But I just worry about his minutes. But yeah. I mean, they're going to be easier minutes, not like very easier. They're going to be easier minutes than he was doing last year until Sabonis came the scoring load is not going to be so much put on him. Um and you know, like maybe he's not going to with the addition of Herder, he won't have to guard maybe the best wing player every time now. So it'll you no, know, it'll be a little different. It'll it'll definitely be easier on Barnes, but he's still probably going to be playing a lot of minutes at mm-hmm. this point, I believe without that true backup small forward and um but, you know, who knows? Maybe they will use Murray and Herter at the three enough to give Barnes' his adequate rest. But he's usually leading yeah. the Kings in minutes last couple seasons. So we'll see, yeah. we'll see. I guess, I guess it depends.
1: I feel like it's one of those things, too, is it's, um, if I'm not mistaken, the Kings have wanted Harrison Barnes to shoot more threes. And I guess I should have said this when I mentioned the kind of just and again they're a good team. They're not a great team. They have to prove that they're anything close to that uh, during the season. But they're they're I could you could probably say on paper they're pretty they're good. They're not great. They're not bad destined for the playoffs for sure, but they're they're good. <laughs> you know? Yeah they're not bad. Um but you know like if Harrison Barnes was taking it upon himself to ignore the uh, suggestion just to take more threes, you know, and which is, I don't know. I mean, t- taking threes takes a lot of energy out of you in a way if you, you rely on your legs to shoot or something like that. Um, but I don't know. Like you said, they could be easier minutes and he might just feel more comfortable kind of taking that role. Um, and like you said, also um, third option. And I know that Murray is more of a fourth option in that starting lineup that we're, basically standing at uh right now um he's basically the fourth option behind Barnes. but i mean i read james ham was writing about it he says and i don't know if i 100 percent agree with him because it's just maybe it's too early to tell but he said that just the things that you're seeing in summer league or the things he's seeing in summer league i should say um lead him to believe that he could be a third option on this team um maybe even a second option soon enough um not saying this year, but, you know, I think there are certain people that have real high hopes for that. And I just, it would be, I guess my point is, it would just be interesting to see if Barnes is indeed on this team next season, Um, what effect that has on him. And I don't know. I don't know if that's really a question in there, but <laughs> you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, no, I get it. And if Murray, I mean, the dude can catch and shoot really well. There's going to be a lot of catch-and-shoot catch and shoot opportunities with Sabonis now, you know, dishing the ball. And, mm-hmm. I mean, he's good off the dribble. He's good off – or, sorry, he's good on catch-and-shoot. And he's good off of movement, too. He can, you know, yeah. bait away or be moving a little and still shoot it well. So if you want to get this guy off of some screens and just – I mean, if he can shoot as well as he has been shooting, um, sure, throw him as the third option and, you know, Save Barnes' legs. If they can do it the same, might as well let the you know, the twenty two year old do it instead of the thirty year old. So yeah.
1: But I guess the common theme in all of this uh talk about what the Kings will look like and whether or not they'll make more moves. Um the the common underlying theme here is that uh, we don't really know. <laughs> yeah. We don't know a whole lot. Again, that dam's got a break with Durant, so but just it's interesting. waiting on
0: that. Yeah. It is interesting, but Definitely. um, yeah. I'm I'm looking at the score right now. Sorry, if I'm ruining it for you people. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's in the third. We're down by nine. Keegan had sixteen in the first half. Oh, nice. Chet's not doing much. 15, That's another thing you notice. Five. I feel
1: like you know, you notice him maybe this is just Vegas, not necessarily the California classic, but it's like, I think against Orlando, he had like 10, I think he had like 10 points at the end of each half. And then he just kind of like, Oh, he's really just has a nice, I guess, I guess the point with Murray is not that he's, I guess what I'm trying to say about Murray is he just gets better throughout the game. So, you know, that's nice. 13 points in the first 16 points in the first half, I should say. That's uh. I'm not watching the game right now. I got to uh, I'll watch a recording of it. But <laughs> I'm looking
0: know. at this picture of, of Keegan next to Chet Holmgren. Oh my god, <laughs>
1: <Chet> <laughs> Holmgren
0: is so tall, dude. Yeah,
1: he's he's. It's oh gonna be really interesting goodness. to see how he does. I mean, obviously, I think with Holmgren, you're not gonna really know until two or two or three years from now. But um, it's gonna be interesting to see how he holds up during his rookie year. I have yes. a question for you about Chet Holmgren. Uh, do you think he plays more or less than 40 games?
0: <sighs> I'm going to say more. I think he's going to surprise us. I think he's going to surprise us a yeah. little. Um, I we'll hope see. he does. But you <laughs> Check know. your phone real quick.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, Look my this. God. Isn't that crazy? Well, like, you know how on the iPhone, it'll just, like, in the messages, it'll just zoom in. It doesn't yeah, show see, the full K- frame of the picture. So it doesn't even have Chen Holgren's head. It's just, it's just Kegan Murray next to a headless man. Jeez, Holgren is fine.
0: tall, dude. It
1: really
0: is. <laughs> Sorry, and I feel like I need to, like, put this up on a picture now for everyone to see. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I see that, too. Uh, okay, enough with our inside uh. jokes. Uh, we're gonna, we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna sign off here in a sec so we can go catch, you know, the last 15 minutes of this game. But, um, yeah, um, Keegan Murray, looks awesome. Kings, question mark, what they're gonna do for the rest of this offseason. Maybe make a move, maybe not. But, um, still excited for the season. Do you have anything to add?
1: Nope, just waiting on Durant
0: is waiting on Durant. All right. Well Which is
1: probably which is honestly which is probably what he wants. But you know, anyways, I'll let you yeah, close right. out.
0: <laughs> okay, well. Uh thanks for everyone for tuning in and uh until next time. Have a good one.